Hi, it's Dave. Welcome. Today I'm joined by Emmett Peppers again, a frequent guest on my channel. We're going to be talking about a lot of hot topics. You have inflation, recession, announcement of a Tesla stock split. Uh, Emmett just got FSD beta as well. Um, lots to, to go over. Um, how are you doing, Emmett? I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm well. I mean, it's I looked at the futures earlier and I'm like, "Oh man, it's it's going to be <laughs> a bloodbath potentially uh tomorrow too and mm -hmm. you know, you just got to think the bottom has got to be somewhere. I don't <laughs> It's pretty dark down here in these murky waters and uh you just don't know how far down it goes. You feel like you're going to hit bottom sooner or later, but uh Yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy year. Um yeah, yeah who it's like just so many things um with the war. The Ukraine mm -hmm. war just hitting commodity prices, um, supply chain still not, you know, completely relieved. Um, yeah. Inflation higher than expected. Um, you did a tweet um, this past week that, you know, I took note of. You're like, hey, have we reached peak inflation or not? Peak inflation fears. Fears. That's right. Peak, yeah, peak yeah. inflation fears. So what's the background of kind of your thinking there? Do you think we have reached peak inflation fear? It feels like it to me. I mean, I just, I mean, Friday with that CPI number being much higher than everyone expected and the market kind of dropping 3% pretty quick. I mean, 3%, I guess, isn't terrible. There's been days where, you know, the Nasdaq's down 5 or 7%, you know, not long ago. So I guess it's not terrible. It's still like felt terrible. And it just felt like, man, how can, how can the fear index of inflation get worse from here? Because people are now pricing in like more aggressive, hawkish Fed and, um, you know, inflation itself could print worse numbers, you know, mm. um, but I just feel like how can the fear of inflation get any worse? When that's all we've been talking about, I feel like, for like six months now. I feel like the macro yeah. market and inflation, you know, there's a blip of talking about Russia, Ukraine, but that just led to more inflationary fears talking, you know, it just it seems like that's all we're talking about lately, that, that how scared we are about it. And I just don't I don't think. I don't feel like the fear can get worse about it. I mean, what's what's worse than how can the fear part of it get worse? I don't know. Like, do people think we're going to go to the, you know, late seventies and early eighties, where it's like ten or twenty percent a year for years to go? And you know, maybe that's the next. I don't think that people are going to start thinking that's going to happen, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. I I, I lean on the camp of also like I think inflation is something that's going to come down. I just feel like we had a just a intersection of a lot of different things happening with the supply chains, the whole, yeah. you know, commodities with war, with um, inflation hitting all at the same time. Um, it seems to me like if inflation is going to be an ongoing problem, then you've got to have like some root causes behind that. Like why would it be an ongoing problem, right? So like in, in a lot of countries with, you know, prevalent inflation, you have like either this currency kind of risk where, you know, the government's really shaky. Um, you've got either a failing economy. On the flip side, you could have kind of like, you know, an economy running too hot, but I don't see that, um, you know, especially with the economy slowing down. The one issue is maybe commodity prices, you know, with oil, et cetera, running high, that could, you know. But then you've yeah. got a lot of other commodity prices that are starting to come down, like lumber, et cetera. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of, um, I'm intrigued by this, this idea, though, that we've hit you know, peak inflation fear. I think it's definitely a possibility. My question though with that is, how about uh, peak recession fear? I think that's mm. like a bigger, maybe That could fear. be the next, yeah, evolution. Yeah, like what's your thoughts on that? that? Yeah. I mean, I think there's already seeds of a recession fear being placed for several months now. A lot of people think we're in the midst of one right now. I mean, a recession is technically two consecutive quarters of GDP 
GDP decline. So the last quarter was a GDP decline. Unless it gets revised, I think it would get revised downward even further, if anything. But uh, yeah, in this next uh, GDP quarter, second quarter, I guess that'll come in sometime early July or something or mid-July. And uh, we'll see if the second quarter was also a GDP decline. I think that's highly likely. And so technically, I would think we're probably in a recession now. That's my hunch. Um, and uh, then it's just a matter of does it, does it continue the third and fourth quarter? And I don't think it would, but... You just never know. Um, the the macro market is is like the hardest thing to predict. You know, yeah. I mean, you you interviewed the guy Peru, you know, once or twice at once, and I I've listened to him, and he seems like he seems to be like the um the, the less wrong than most people on the macro market. Somehow he can, uh, you know, a lot of people are very wrong on the macro market, and you know, they just tout when they were right, but they don't tout all the times they've been wrong about it. But uh, I've been following him, you know, and uh, he thinks well, there'll, well, there'll be a big drop in the third quarter to come. I don't know. But uh, he's an interesting guy to follow on that. He seems to be yeah. less wrong than most on it. Yeah. One guy I'm wanting to speak to again um, is Gene Munster. I talked to you before, but he's kind of predicting, thinking that the um, sec Q2 earnings are going to be low, are worse than expected. From all so, companies? Generally, kind of like that's when the first kind of kind of disappointment with earnings across the board, kind of mm-hmm. fears a recession will hit. He mm. thinks that could be like a a, um, a big risk. But in the bigger picture, he's thinking like it bottoms out sometime in Q2, Q2 or, or second half of this year, yeah. um, the market. Yeah. And he thinks uh, 2023 is going to be great. Um, but yeah, um, I think there's definitely the possibility of kind of the Fed um, – reversing courses possibly if you know the the economy slows down a lot and inflation starts to trend down then they're like okay wait a minute you know yeah. things aren't looking too rosy um so and consumer yeah. sentiment was like a like a low you know yeah. for a long it was like 50 and it hasn't been that low in like many years and just like it's not looking good for uh, <laughs> for for the elections uh you know coming up in, in the u.s here i think you know with Typically, when consumer sentiment's you know so low, then uh, the party in power gets voted out of power. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure the Democrats they must understand that, and you know, that, yeah. that's why I think Biden's meeting you know with uh, Powell the other week. I don't know. I feel like some signal was sent, message was sent, like you know, but you know that like calm down on the language, don't freak out the markets too much or something. You know, maybe I don't know what, but. I don't think it was just a meeting just to like tell him like, yeah, we believe what you're doing. Keep doing it. You know, there's something to be said there. And uh, I don't know what it was exactly, but maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll, we'll see more on Wednesday. But um, maybe with the latest CPI print being so much, it won't change anything with the direction yeah. they're going anyway. Yeah. Have you made any uh, changes to kind of your investing strategy approach, you know, the past few weeks or months? Um, you know, my my personal account, uh, I did uh, – you know, lessen some of my margin deficit, uh, that I had, you know, not a deficit, but a margin balance. I mean, uh, before I get into a margin deficit and, uh, you know, it, it causes me to have to pay some more hefty taxes and it's a little stressful. So I've got to work that out. Um, but, uh, in the, in the fund account, it's meant to be sort of the risky portion of my personal assets. And, you know, we continue to uh, do what we think is best. Uh, um, you know, no one can, we can't pick a bottom on the macro market. I feel like the day we would hedge ourselves is the day the market bottomed and it comes right back up. And then we just 
you know, that, that it, I just have no idea, to be honest, where the bottom would will be. I'm like 50, 50. Mm-hmm. It could be this week or, or four weeks from now or two months from now, whatever. But, yeah. um, it's, it, you know, the macro market is such a different game than picking stocks. You know, the good news is look at Tesla. I mean, last week, you know, the whole NASDAQ was down, like, I think like four or 5% for the week or something like that. And Tesla remained almost even for the week, you know, with the UBS, you know, upgrade. And that's good because the UBS wealth management clients get calls from their advisors. Hey, that stock you've been talking about, well, we should buy it now. Our mm-hmm. analysts upgrade, you know, that kind of thing. So that helped a little bit when the market was down, it kind of helped Tesla not go down so much or stay flat that day. And then the, the stock split announcement, you know, if you look at the after hours moving at 710, I think it started the week around there. So, I mean, it's down maybe 1% for the week or, or, or less, but the whole market was down like 5%. So, you know, Tesla is showing some strength in the midst of this, but, uh, you know, at some point it's going to continue to get dragged down with the macro market. I bet tomorrow I wouldn't be surprised if the NASDAQ opens up down 2%, like the futures are saying now, and mm-hmm. Tesla opens up down 3%, you know, like it normally would, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What yeah, do you right. think? Do you, yeah. Have you changed anything or you do any hedges? You're, you're simple. You just kind of hold yeah. the shares long term, right? You're just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you know, um, I would change my strategy if I saw kind of a crazy opportunity. But right now it's, you know, I kind of resigned uh, earlier, you know, in this year. I'm like, hey, there are risks and it's played out, you know, worse than I expected the economy. But. I feel like Tesla's executing so well, at least I think this year or next year. I think Q2 is a bummer in my opinion just because of Shanghai shutdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I'm happy just to keep my shares. I haven't really you know, been tempted to leverage at all right now with options or margin. I, I'm just like, yeah, this, this recession or just the macro is a little bit... Um, yeah, uneasy uh, yeah. Um, stuff. But if there is an opportunity, I, I, I'm actually starting to think like, hey, there could be an interesting opportunity, you know, to leverage in some way. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for a little bit, you know, to see how far, if things go, you know, further down um, overall. Yeah. Um, Tesla uh, stock split. What's your take? You want, you didn't, you wanted the mega split. What, what, like, what was it? 50 to one or something? Yeah. Giga split. I wanted to get, but that was, you know, three months ago, you know, before the macro market took a huge turn for the worst, even further. And then also the uncertainty, you know, how Elon kind of rocked the boat with all the investors selling a bunch of Tesla stock to buy Twitter, you know? So given those two things, I can understand the conservative three to one split. You know, that's like the most conservative you can do. You're not gonna really do a two to one split, you know? Yeah. So three to one seems like the most conservative thing. So I can understand that, you know, they don't wanna rock the boat anymore with their investors and do something, you know, that's, you know, too out of the box considering what's going on and Elon's uh, buying Twitter and all that. And so, um, but I do think it's still, you know, I still think, you know, if everything else, you know, I, I think from first, I still think from first principles perspective, if you, if you really didn't care about what the outside investors thought about it, 50 to one would make the most sense because then you don't have to think about a distraction of another split later for a long time. And, uh, you know, the, because they don't have to raise capital ever again, you know, like yeah. Tesla never has to do that. And Elon, I think knows that. And, but I don't think he wants to have everyone hate him by doing something so radical again after selling stock to buy Twitter and such, you know? Yeah. 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 Three to one. Yeah. I, I'm happy with three to one. I, I, I just don't think this is the right environment to, 
I do mean, anything weird. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's rough, man. I mean, the I mean, look at Amazon and Shopify stocks, but didn't really help much. Um, I don't. I don't know. You know, um, I yeah. think Tesla is at the mercy of macro right now. It's just like yeah, yeah. The the overall environment just over supersedes yeah. anything. I think. Uh, yeah, I remember uh, firsthand when I worked at Interactive Brokers, the first or second or third year I worked there in 2008, the crash. And the whole financial, you know, sector was drawn down like big time, especially in that crash because like Lehman Brothers and all these things, they're all like going bankrupt or whatever fear of them all going without government intervention. But interactive brokers on the opposite end of the spectrum was like set up for that. You know, they didn't yeah. do any swaps or over the counter derivatives. They did exchange traded stuff only and they had their best year ever in terms of revenues, commissions and margins. But the stock still got cut in half that year, even though it was like a year of earnings, like way better than anyone had ever expected. So I remember that like a company's business can do tremendously well, like Tesla might blow yeah. it out of the park with deliveries the second half of this year even. But if the macro markets, you know, crashing, Tesla's going to get taken down with it most likely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it reminds me of this whole idea of like, like when you value a stock, you can do all of the calculations, you can do all the spreadsheets, but the, the element of sentiment is such a big factor yeah. in valuation. Like, you know, whether you give some type of 20 or 30 multiple versus 50 or 100 multiple, it's like, yeah, you know, depending on the investor sentiment, the overall, you know, market uh, mood, it, it, can crazy in a sense change the value of supposed you know, perceived value of the company, and so yeah, I, I can kind of um, empathize or um, I resonate a little bit with some people who are like, who cares about valuation? Just trade the trends because yeah. if if it's going to be so impacted by sentiment, then uh, just write the sentiment. But yeah. then on the flip side, it's like to gauge that you know those ch the, the changing sentiment, but also like the bottoms and the tops. I've just like. Every person I've I've seen, practically speaking, over many period, many like a multi-year, let's say you know, ten-year or longer period, it's just they're not able to time every bottom and top. You know, it's just yeah. it's yeah. just you know, you sure you can do one or two, you know, and yeah. Yeah. but it's just to do it consistently, it's just eventually it just doesn't happen. I don't, I don't no, know. I um, agree. There's a regression to the mean. Yeah. You get lucky once with it. And, uh, like I did in COVID, the COVID crash. And I think a lot of people got lucky with the COVID. I mean, there's every bottom, there's going to be a whole bunch of stories of people getting kind of lucky time in the bottom with doing a hedge at the right time and getting out. And I yeah. knew, you know, the COVID thing was, you know, a lot of luck involved in that. And, you know, I just know, like, I'm not, I'm not going to try to keep time in bottoms because yeah. you know, that's just not, that's not possible to keep doing that, you know? And so, I mean, I did say, put that tweet out, like the fear index, <laughs> it feels like the bottom, but it doesn't yeah. get any worse, but, uh, I don't know what the market's going to do to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, FSD beta. So you just yeah. got, got it this past week, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. What, what day it. did you get it? I want to say Tuesday or Wednesday, Wednesday. I got a Wednesday okay. morning. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've been driving it like the first day or two, like blew my mind. I was like, whoa, this thing is just like drive. It's like a ghost driver. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sitting there and the wheels turn in and I have the uh, I, ha I have the um, yoke. So yeah. when it's turning, it's like much more pronounced, obviously, than a round steering wheel. So it looks crazy. My kids are in it. And I'm like watching like, whoa, what's going on there? And uh, uh -huh. 
I was in like a real traffic situation. And, you know, the, the first morning I was driving it to, to take them to school and it was like the most backed up traffic ever. And it did great. There was one moment where I tried to like get in front of the traffic, you know, the line of cars by cutting into the bike lane. It wasn't like, there's no bikes anywhere to see, but you're not allowed to do that, you know? So I had to intervene and stop it from like doing sort of an illegal maneuver to try to get in front of other cars. But I was like, oh, that's not terrible. And, um, there was like a couple other times where like in really strange construction scenes, I've had to intervene, but a couple of strange construction scenes that did great. Like there was one where the guy's holding the sign up that says, turned it to stop and it read it and it showed it on the screen and it stopped. And it, when he turned to slow, it started creeping forward again. Mm. Um, and there's been times where I see pedestrians. I'm always very nervous when I see pedestrians. I'm like, I hope this, and it always does, but I'm very nervous, especially yeah, for those yeah. pedestrians. But yeah, I'm very impressed. I've had, I would say seven, most of my drives are like, you know, five miles or less, maybe a couple of 10 mile drives. But I would say, uh, in the last six days or whatever, five days since I've had it, I guess I've been trying to drive a lot and, uh, I've probably done 15 drives and like 10 or 11 of them have been zero intervention drives. I'm very, very impressed. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for this technology to, you know, progress from here. I mean, you know, it, yeah. it, maybe it's the roads then in the Bay Area. Maybe it's overfitted for them because I know Matt, my partner, he has different experiences. But he said this latest version is really good for him too, actually. Mm-hmm. But um, and you, you, you said it's pretty good for you in Austin, right? You use it a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. No, I've yeah, I've seen it improve a lot. Um, and I mean, I, I try to have you know a kind of a balanced perspective where I'm not expecting it to be perfect. Um, and I kind of know when, know the spots where it has troubles and yeah. you know, I could, I could compensate. Um, yeah, this summer though, I'm away from my car. I'm like, do, I'm kind of doing this stop, pit stop in California and we're doing like three months um, up to Washington, Montana, Idaho, maybe Canada, Colorado and yeah. all this stuff. But yeah. I won't have my Tesla. So yeah, I won't know how it's improving oh, uh, over the summer. So hopefully after the I'll summer. I'll fill you in. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. In. yeah. Coming right out of my, my street going onto the main road, it's an unprotected left turn. Mm-hmm. Not quite as scary as Chuck Cook's kind of infamous unprotected left turn scenario, but scary enough where it's a little bit nerve wracking on a really busy, you know, morning rush hour. Cars are going 40 miles an hour both ways. And um, so far it's done it very well every time. Uh, so I'll, That's you know, cool. I'm very nervous every time it pulls out there and checking yeah. it, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's gotten, it's gotten, it's really good. Uh, I'm very impressed. Yeah. 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 I know, I know you've had some conversations with some, uh, FSD beta skeptics, um, yes. on your yeah. channel, et cetera. What have you kind of taken away from those conversations? Um, yeah. Have you learned something like, have you kind of filled out your view of, yeah. you know, yeah, we had a really, really. Yeah, so we had a Matt and I had a great discussion on our Good Soil Investment Management YouTube channel with uh, Gary Marcus, who's kind of a thought leader or highly respected academic in the AI world, as well as Naveen Rao, who also understands machine learning and chips and all that. And uh, um, yeah, we had a great. They're very skeptical. Naveen has a Tesla and he uses the autopilot a lot. He doesn't. Neither of them have used, I don't think, full self-driving beta personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're very skeptical. They they kind of. Um, it was a good hour and twenty minute discussion. Yeah. But mostly it was. Uh, I think the guy Gary talked a lot and didn't give a chance for Naveen or Matt to you know intervene too often. But he had a lot to say. He's a smart guy. Um, but he he thinks that 
you know, because there's infinite edge cases that Tesla will never really solve anytime soon, that it's, you know, and same with Naveen kind of thinks that that it, it, it should not be marketed as, you know, full self-driving, even though it's FSD beta, it's not really, people say full self-driving, but technically Tesla calls it FSD beta, right? So, but they think that the marketing is a little tricky and gives the impression that people are going to use it as full self-driving level five or four, level four, like where you're sitting there, just let it, let it do its own thing, where really it's more of a really advanced level two driver assistance yeah. feature for a while. And uh, that's, you know, the argument Matt and I were kind of stating. And they think that, you know, maybe it should be looked at closer, you know, and it, it, not that they want it to be banned. At, we didn't get that far, but I, I kind of got the, you know, I kind of got that uh implicate or I inferred that that if if we got that far like Gary Marcus might have been like well yeah NHTSA and everyone should take a look at it and blah 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 but you know our argument was kind of like and I think a lot of the Tesla community is like you know don't let perfect be the enemy of good like it's not going to save you know 100% of edge cases anytime soon but it can still save a ton of lives and you look at the statistics it seems to be doing that already but Gary's not convinced you know yeah uh, he yeah. thinks that Tesla's not giving enough data out. Maybe he's got a point. I don't know. I, I tweeted back at him on something on a thread of his with the impact report references, uh, like page 80 to 89 or something of the safety aspects. And he, he didn't really respond with anything. So, it, it, yeah. it, you know, they're just skeptics right now. Um, maybe with more information, they'll be less skeptical. But they're, they're certain, there's a whole lot of people in that camp where they just think it's too early to yeah. roll this out. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, what I do you actually, think yeah, I mean, I watched your your interview earlier today. Okay. Um, it was a bit frustrating, to be honest. Um, mm. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do feel there are points where one is the marking autopilot is a bad name, whatever. Yeah. Um, which, you know, to me, that's up to interpretation. Um, yeah. Um, and I, I feel like that hasn't been used against Tesla as much. I mean, I think like four or five years ago on highway driving, people were upset at the word autopilot because there were some accidents, but now as it's gotten better, I think people have adapted to that name, you know, where they realize they can't, it's not full total, like, you know, autonomous driving, but it's helping you to drive, you know, and you're still in control. So I feel like that use case is actually pretty decent. Like, I I don't know for them to feel like, you know, I mean, I can understand this whole FSD, the full self-driving name, but then again, it's beta. Tesla's, you know, kind of upfront yeah. saying it's still a work in progress. Um, I mean, I could see maybe they're upset about the timeline. You know, it's been late. Of course, yeah, okay, I, I understand that. Yeah. Um, and their other argument is just like um, this whole thing of AI just isn't good enough, right, for this use case of driving in the next yeah. decade or two, right? It's going to take yeah. a couple of decades for this to happen. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that is, um, I understand that that thing because for the longest time you had the world of academia and AI have a certain trajectory um, and it was improving at a certain rate. You could follow it, but I think there was a shift where AI just radically went um, from this kind of more academic kind of centered approach, maybe like 10 years ago or so. Um, and maybe f- from five years ago, it completely went where the, you know, the best and the brightest were all in, in private companies. And yeah. a lot of that stuff just isn't shared to the extent of what really is going on. You know, they share papers and some demos like, you know, you know, uh, DeepMind and all this stuff, open AI, but what's really going on, like the academia world doesn't know 
really, you know, like the, they don't. the, the ins and outs and they yeah. don't know how fast things have changed, especially in the past two or three years. And so Tesla does an AI day and they share, but people are like, you know, they're skeptical. They don't, they, you know, they yeah. don't believe it. Um, and I think the best thing to do, and Elon has pointed this out several times. He's like, Hey, you know, sign up for a full self-driving beta. I think yeah, what's even user. better is, is if you could have a kind of experience over time. So like, you know, a year ago versus six months ago versus now, and you see that trajectory of improvement and you understand Tesla's approach and the amount of data they're getting, mm -hmm. and you can kind of understand the bigger picture. But I feel like, you know, I totally understand their, their point of view where in their world of what, how they understand you know, neural nets and AI and the history of AI, they just don't see it's possible in the near future. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's yeah. just too mind boggling. And I, I, yeah. I actually, I, I understand that point of view actually from yeah. their world, you know, their point of view. Um, so yeah, um, to me, it's like, it's one of those things where it just sets up such a, a, a interesting opportunity where, you know, I lean on the side where I think it's going to take longer than some people think, you know, a fully autonomous thing. But yeah. I also lean on the side that I think Tesla is, has progressed farther than most people realize. And they're solving more problems with AI than, than people have any clue with, you know. Mm -hmm. And that just means that Tesla is like becoming more and more an AI company, software company. And it's just more bullish on like things like uh, humanoid robot and these other use cases, right? And they yeah. kind of, you know, they just, you're both your guests. I mean, they're super knowledgeable, I'm sure, on their topics of expertise, but with humanoid robot, they just weren't uh, like enthusiastic at all. It seemed like on Tesla's, you know, possibilities <laughs> yeah. there. But yeah. it's like, I think they're going to be surprised over time, you know, what Tesla does. Yeah. I mean, this is just, to me, it's just setting up like a crazy, um, I don't know what it is, just um, surprise or, you know, of what Tesla can do over the next 10 years, right, mm -hmm. with with AI. So we'll see. It's just, it just, to me, it's just, it's like, I expect it. Tesla's just discounted. It's neglected. Yeah. It just, it's kind of a, people look at Tesla as a junior AI player right now, you yeah. know, in the yeah. AI world. At least a lot of, some people do, especially people in, 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 in certain institutions, but yeah. it's going to be, yeah, interesting awakening when things uh, change, I think. Yeah, yeah. And my biggest, you know, I guess my biggest, point of contention with them they're you know very smart is i was trying to make a point of contention that like yeah tesla's full self-driving ai is not thinking like a human it's not even close to thinking like a human in terms of understanding context but um if it does well enough where statistically it's saving lives because and and i think primarily that's going to be because of instead of it's like the opposite of opportunity cost i think i think of it as disaster yeah. prevention benefit you know if there's of that, and that's mostly like people texting while they're driving, you know, like or distracted looking around or falling asleep or whatever. But you have this car that, you know, it's maybe, maybe it's only 99% as good as a human or 98% as a, a human in, you know, most weird cases. But it's always a, in, in, in terms of a human that's fully attentive. But the problem is humans are not very attentive people. We're always looking at text, we're emailing or whatever, and we're getting all kinds of terrible accidents and disasters. So the amount of preventions of those disasters by having this FSD beta rolled out, I think is tremendous. It's going to save yeah. innumerable amounts of lives. And I think the data will show that clearly a year from now. But, you know, we'll see. I'd love to have them on again in a year when there's more statistics that Tesla probably puts out in its impact, you know, 2022 report. So. Yeah. Yeah, we'll I think I, I remember one of their their points also is like, oh, AI 
isn't good at, especially Tesla's approach, isn't good at um, uh, predicting intent, right? Yeah. Of what, what people mean to do, let's say. And you need that in, in the driving experience to be safe. And I felt like that was a misunderstanding in a lot of ways because I feel like Tesla is moving very fast to actually predicting intent. Like mm-hmm. a lot of their neural nets and what they're moving to, like changing the planning engine to neural nets, all this stuff, they're actually adding like the whole prediction kind of yeah. where things are, are moving. And um, this is the next big kind of thing Tesla's moving into aggressively right now. And I think both your guests, like they kind of aren't up to date with Tesla's kind of current approach to, or what Tesla is like eating at the moment in terms of the software stack. Yeah. And yeah, because yeah, uh, uh, predicting intent and, you know, all predicting where cars are going to go, you know, all this stuff, like that's at the crux of what Tesla is solving right at this moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. They have more data than anyone. I'm probably going beyond, beyond my expertise here, but you had a guy on that. I watch his YouTube channel a lot. He's a, um, expert on neural networks. He does a great YouTube channel for yeah. neural network stuff. Yeah. I can't Yannick, remember his name. Yeah. Yannick Kilcher. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he had a great video on something called grokking. And that just fascinated me, this grokking phenomenon. And basically in neural networks, there's like a point where you feed enough data, then suddenly just zips up to like 100% accuracy suddenly. And no one can really explain how it just gets suddenly so good at predicting a certain thing after a certain amount of data. And I wonder, I don't know, maybe that can apply to some elements of this reading certain situations that are hard to read. If there's enough data fed in, data sets fed into the you know, Tesla network to feed off mm-hmm. of, then maybe it'll help speed up Tesla's full self FSD beta development even faster soon enough with more people testing it. I don't yeah. know. It's just yeah. interesting to yeah. think about. I, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's really, I mean, this is kind of a big debate, I think in academia too, with AI, like, um, so Missy Cummings, right. Um, uh, she's now an advisor, I guess, to NHTSA, but, you know, as a professor of AI, she, her whole big point is, with AI, especially full self-driving, you have these edge cases, these long tail cases that a car goes into, but they just don't know what to do because there's no form, there's no previous data inputted regarding yeah. what the situation is. So it's completely new. And in those cases, she's, you know, and others are asserting that the car uh, performs, you know, worse than expected and is very, and could enter some very dangerous places, right? Yeah. And so the whole, the next step of reasoning is, um, it's because of those those cases are so hard to find and the car doesn't know what to do, it's going to take a really, really long time for the car to be good at those crazy cases, right? Um, yeah. But what I think what's not taken into consideration is what do you do, what happens when you constantly feed the engine and the, the neural net, the brain, with all of these crazy situ- like scenarios and like, for example, this most recent update was like, is the car parked or is the car not parked, right? And you get like tens of thousands of, of videos and you just mm-hmm. completely like, you know, grow another part of the brain. Yeah. Um, and a super kind of natural ability to, to know if the car is parked or not, um, better perhaps than even a human. But you merge, let's say, hundreds of those type of superhuman abilities together. What happens when you meet a situation that's kind of unfamiliar, right? Does that, do those super abilities somehow converge to decipher and navigate the car in a safe way? And my hunch is, I think actually that's, it it could be quite likely that could happen. You know, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be 10, 20 years down the road where we have to, 
encounter every edge case and the car has to be like some crazy AGI sentient, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, being yeah. to, to navigate. Um, but anyways, yeah, this, it's a debate though, you know, it's, it's like, bo yeah, both sides don't know the, the, the conclusion yeah. until it happens. Right. So yeah. there's something definitely we're going to, uh, uh, be privy to watch, watching yeah. how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, the whole thing I keep thinking of is, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And, you know, statistically, if it's saving 10 of these disaster, you know, preventing 10 disasters for every one time a disaster happens that, you know, the AI could have been prevented if it was a human instead, it's worth it. It's well worth it. You know, so if they can show this statistically, and I think Elon's referenced this, you know, it's going to be a tough thing, you know, they'll be sued here and there, but it, they, you know, the 10 people's lives it saves for everyone they get sued by, they won't even know. So yeah. the statistics will show it in the long run. So we'll, we'll see the truth is in the pudding. We will see the data over time. Yeah. 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 Um, so I wanted to ask you about Elon Musk's email. So, or he had a few emails this past week. One of his emails, he was saying, hey, it's been a tough quarter or it is a tough quarter. Uh, we need to rally hard to recover. Fremont did a, all-time production, I think, daily production record. Berlin's at a thousand per week. Um, what do you take of that email? I kind of took it as like, kind of a little bit like a warning. I don't say warning, but I took it as like, wow, it, it, I think it is gonna, it is a tough quarter. You know, I mean, you have Shanghai yeah. shut down for a bulk <laughs> of the quarter. You have like, um, yeah. I don't know, like Austin I mean, is spooling up or something, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it, that basically that means to me like Austin's far behind and they're still trying <laughs> to get the, their, their act together. I think it's like yeah. there's rumors like the 4680s production is is well uh, behind schedule over there or something. That's that that's what I think uh, Dylan from Electrified reported and yeah. some people on Twitter. But I don't know how true that rumor is. Yeah, I mean, I'm not down on the email in the sense that I feel like second half, you know, should be a great second half of the year for Tesla because you have yeah. Berlin and Austin ramping and all this stuff, but, yeah. um, just purely off of Q2. I mean, yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's going to be, you know, I saw that report from electric electric last week uh, and I got a little excited because they said like, they kind of yeah. at the end of the article said like Elon reiterated 300,000 possible, but they didn't say that, you know, that was a, you know, uh, two months ago during the earnings call, not part of the call, all hands on deck call that they were reporting on, you know? So, yeah. you know, yeah, 250 to 260,000 is kind of where I estimate it to be. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the market may, might be expecting it by the time, uh, you know, who knows the macro market is what rules the stock. The business is still going to do great, but the actual stock price is going to be dictated much, much, mo mostly by the macro market for a while, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, noticing Bitcoin, just dropped to 25,000 oh, today. Did you yeah. see that? Yeah. It's like, oh, so it's hard. Yeah. So Tesla is going to have to take a $200 million impairment loss. If it drops another 5,000, it'd be another 200 million. Yeah. I saw um, your tweet on that. Yeah. So yeah. It's a rough, rough quarter to, to, to take that. Yeah. That seems like more likely than not that there's, you know, a serious crypto crash we're kind of in the midst of. I mean, who's buying, you know, you got to think there's a lot of people who've been buying it just for the, there's, there's so many people that buy it because they believe in it long term and they'll hold on to Like I have a, a few, some Bitcoin I bought back in 2011 that I'm holding on to like long term. I'm never going to probably sell, you know, and there's a, a certain amount of people who do that. 
But in this recent run-up from, you know, what was it, like six or 8,000 up to 60,000, yeah. I would think the majority of the people buying it are buying it because they see it going up and they want to get in on that action. <laughs> and and more than half, I saw some report that like 60% or I forget what the number was, but it was like a large percentage of people that own Bitcoin are now underwater, like on their <laughs> investment in Bitcoin because they bought it between, you know, 28,000 and 60,000 at the high or whatever. So yeah. a lot of those people, they, they're probably selling are close to it or doing it now and who's going to be buying it all up you know you have some people but in this market who's who's out who's sitting there to buy it all you know it's going to be yeah. could be in the middle of this 80 one of these you know 80 percent drops that bitcoin's gone through several times yeah i mean at a certain point there will be people buying you know like um everything but it has to reach yeah. a certain point you know yeah um yeah, yeah definitely um twitter acquisition do you think it still happens and do you think do you think elon's just negotiating is or i mean the latest news is twitter was given him or is going to give him the fire hose right of, of data um so yeah what's going on do you think with that i think it'll still happen i think he's trying to negotiate a lower price and he should hopefully get a lower valuation or price you know to to buy that um but i think it'll still happen um he i think it's important he wants it in his mind he's got ideas of how to you know, yeah, he could build something from scratch, right? Technology-wise, that's probably better than Twitter in terms of technology within with a hundred million dollars of capital or something, you know, and some good, you know. But the network effects that Twitter has already built into it—that's yeah. what you can't buy. You know, money's not going to buy that so easily. You know, and, and I think he's very familiar with network effects yeah. from, from his uh, PayPal days or what was it X or something X.com. Yeah. You know, yeah. so they were big. You know, network effects. He saw how that network marketing works and. I think he understands it and, you know, to, for, for him to start something new from scratch, that's going to be several years behind where Twitter is now. And even though Twitter's technology is probably going to be worse than that, it has all kinds of issues. It's it's just going to be, I, I think he wants Twitter. I think he wants to fix it and make it much better. And I think he'll do what's necessary and to get it done. Um, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, no, I, I echo, I completely agree. I, mean, I think he's serious about the acquisition. I think he is serious about the bots, the concern about the yeah. percent of, of bots. Um, but ultimately, I think he's going to close the deal. It'd probably be at a lower price. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to yeah. miss all the bots because I get so many like very pretty girl picture, profile picture bots on my <laughs> following me every other day. I get I'm like, who are, who are these six new followers? Mm. Whoa. Well, <laughs> but they're all like bots, you know, it's crazy. And mm -hmm. half of them send me like messages like out of the blue, like, hi, how are you? You know, like bots trying to uh -huh. communicate with me. And um, I'm going to, you know, it's uh you know, I'm going to get a lot less followers. Probably over half my followers are bots. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, last few topics here. Um, so NBA Finals, uh, who do you think oh, will yeah. win? Yeah. I think... Um, I, I think the Warriors, I'm, I'm, part, I'm biased, you know, because I live yeah. in the Bay Area, but I'm not as biased as when I was like a Knicks or New York Giants fan when I was, because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a relatively new Warriors fan and, uh, you know, I haven't been watching as much basketball the last two or three years as I used to. Yeah. Um, I think Boston has a really good team and they're very skilled. Like overall, they're, you know, um, Brown and uh, what's the other guys? I can't think of the other top guy in Boston. Tatum. Tatum. Yeah. yeah. Tatum. You know, yeah. if he shows up and he hits those threes like he can, like yeah. they, they can't be stopped, you know. But yeah. if Steph Curry plays lights out, you know, like he has been, 
it's it's going to be a fun series to watch. Game seven seems more probable than not. And, uh, you know, that's going to yeah. be, it seems like a, a series for the ages here and it, it'll be fun. I mean, I think a lot of people think the Warriors are going to win now. And, uh, but I still think, you know, you got the youth and the, the talent on Boston that it's time for them to make a name for themselves potentially. So what do you think, Dave? What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm a warrior, diehard Warriors fan. Okay. <laughs> so hoping they win for sure. But Boston's been, yeah, they have a good team, man. They do. They have their, their defense and grid is really strong. So yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a tough one. Superstars yeah. in the making there with uh, Tatum yeah. and Brown and, yeah. you know, it's, uh, they, yeah. So it's going to be fun tomorrow night, uh, or, you know, the next few games. Um, yeah, should be a yeah. really good one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Basketball is like kind of, I think the fine NBA playoffs are kind of one of the only kind of sports I'm left watching. Like, yeah, I used to be a diehard, like all sports fans growing up, yeah. you know, like every sport, like all the time, but yeah. it's just over, over the years, you know, it's kind of been more, uh, selective, I think, but yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff. Um, anything else going on? Um, uh, before we wrap up here, yeah, I wanted to ask you, what do you think? Yeah. Did you see the latest news about Indonesia? Teslarati is reporting that Indonesia is pretty, is making a formal offer to Tesla to build a, a plant to build 500 cars or units a year there. Um, and they just met with yeah. Elon recently, and Elon was very positive. He, Elon doesn't take meetings with everyone, right? Who wants to meet with him? He takes the one or most opportunistic yeah. so do you think uh that's the next big plan for them is indonesia i i wouldn't be surprised yeah i mean i just i saw that headline but i didn't read the story like i read I, it I, just I, there wasn't I, a whole lot of detail but i thought it was just um a, a battery factory or are they actually planning to make cars there i think they want it to be for a car a plant to make up to five hundred thousand units or cars uh, okay here like it is that. yeah yeah. Okay, here's yeah the story Tesla gets proposal to make an EV factory with annual production capacity of 500,000 cars. Huh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think... Uh, it could be. I mean, I, I, I think yeah. that even though they have China, there's still a good amount of Asia demand. Um, yes. Korea, Japan, other places. I mean... And India does not want to take cars imported from true. China, right? Yeah. So if there's going to be anything in India imported there, maybe that makes sense too. Yeah, yeah. it could be. Um, I think Tesla's preference might just be to make batteries or battery packs, but yeah, you know, maybe Indonesia wants more. Um, yeah, there's a lot of raw materials they need there, right? I mean, yeah, don't they have a lot of lithium and such around that? Or, that yeah, beach? nickel. Yeah, nickel. nickel there. Yeah, yeah, that's their big one. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, what do you think is going to happen this week, Dave? This is the the big <laughs> question. The, the Fed's meeting on Wednesday, Dave. Yeah. What do you think? What's going to happen with the market tomorrow and the rest of the week? What do you I think? I think so. My take, uh, my general kind of lens is, um, I expect kind of see like the market uh, will go obviously different ways depending like on how bad the economy and earnings get. Mm -hmm. But I think the baseline case is, yeah, I think we do get kind of soft earnings for Q2 in July. And then um, I think maybe we possibly get kind of this peak recession fear um, mm -hmm. sometime in Q3. And, um, and then the Fed starts to back off because by then we have inflation coming under control. And they're seeing the economy is getting hit too hard. Basically, the, the Fed is going the other way is making the mistake. Um, and so I think up until that point, though, I think we just get just wild fluctuations because no mm. one knows what's going on. You know, it's just this this crazy, just up and down roller coaster. Um, 
but we'll see. Yeah. And then the, the black swan though, is if this recession actually is not a mild one, if it continues on, like it's not just Q3 earnings, but Q or not Q2 earnings, but it's actually Q3 earnings, even mm. Q4 earnings, then it's just like, yeah. it's going to be bad. Um, but hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully it's just a mild recession and, and uh, we get, you know, some type of, you know, uh, changing of course. So we'll see. Yeah. So this week, you think uh, Nasdaq's down ten percent this week? <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's up and down, just fluctuating. Yeah, just week by week. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, uh, toss, toss, toss the the coin. You know? <laughs> yeah, toss the coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll see. Um, I don't know. It's rough. Uh, rough time. People need lots, lots of people need lots of stock therapy right now. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, uh, these videos yeah. help. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Emmett, take care. Um, nice chatting, catching up yeah. as well. Have a good uh, good week, and um, yeah, we'll talk to you later. You too, Dave. All okay. right. All right, bye. bye.